the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Last day of the month of August, and again, August has been a beauty on Wall Street. We question when will this market take some time off and go on a vacation. A lot of people are like me on that level, and we'll talk about that during the show. Second hour of the show, we're going to do a tech show where we talk about technology and not necessarily investments in technology, just talk about how this this area that we live in is so rich of technology history. So that's coming up in the second hour of today. Now, let's talk a little bit about sites on September. August is quickly, 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 quickly coming to an end. And since the end of July, we had an up 4% month. It's not too shabby, huh? Up 4.2%. I thought we were due for a correction. Didn't happen. Suffice to say, August has been a good month for the stock market this year. Now, last day of trading is today. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. Uh, Down day. Dow's down 90, NASDAQ down 27, S&P 500 down 12, 10-year Treasury sits at 3.4%. So, ooh, markets are down about 1%. Now, again, we're up 4.2% for the month, so we're not going to call and cry and, and, and wham. We're not going to do that. Widespread losses in foreign markets led by a 6.7% drop in the Shanghai Composite. So China, once again, ugly. Now, that's prompted valuation concerns that are interfering with the bullish sentiment. I suspect that the understanding is that September is historically the weakest month for the Wall Street boys and girls. So, <clears throat> September's not a good month. If we could just take September off, we should. Having gone up in March, April, May, June, July, August, you better believe we need to give some back. September is due to begin with an economic bang. Bang. The August employment report waits for us at the end of the week. Where will unemployment be? Also, we got the three-day Labor Day weekend right around the corner, which I will be off on Labor Day. So, if not more days, at least Labor Day. The approaching holiday probably means that trading activities will be on the weak side this week. Now, here's the kicker. A lot of people are along the market, refuse to go and ring the cash register. They feel like the good times are rolling. So if you're not going to have a lot of sellers, I don't really know what's going to happen this week. It's not a market that has a lot of liquidity. A lot of back-to-school sessions have already happened this year before Labor Day. So there's a chance that we get a little bit more activity this year. Now, corporate news, corporate news, Baker Hughes, they've made a $5.5 billion cash and stock offering to acquire BJ Services, ticker symbol BJS. I'm angry at this. 
because who doesn't like my cheap joke where I say I love BJ's? Who doesn't love that joke? So B- Baker Hughes is buying them. They're taking away my 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 go-to, my easy pleasy. So that, now, what I like about Baker Hughes buying BJ's is corporations look at each other. And one corporation says, I think you're worth one and a half times sales or two and a half times sales or three and a half times sales. And they change the value of that stock. And that gives you an idea that, hey, there's another guy in this, this sector who's trading for well under one and a half times sales. Maybe that's a value. Maybe someone else will come along and say, let's push that puppy higher. Now, one of the biggest stories to come out today of the news papers is Japan. They've conducted a stirring election. That produced a resounding victory for the Democratic Party of Japan in the nation's lower house of parliament. Now, the historic nature of the election is grounded in the fact that the liberal Democratic Party had been governing the party since government since 1955, with the exception of a brief 10-month period. It was an angry response. You know, when I heard that it was an angry response, that they basically booted out the, the, the politicians, I don't know if we'll ever be that way in the United States, because we want to be right. We want to say... Our Democrats are better than your Republicans. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Our Republicans are better than your Democrats. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. We want to be right. I don't know if we have anger in us that Trump's wanting to be right. But I applaud Japan. They don't like the way the government's going. They don't like the the direction. They don't like the economic woes. And they have upheaval. Japan, of course, has had economic problems now for almost 20 straight years. The victory of the DPJ at this juncture... Is yet another reminder of how deep the impact of the recession has been. They kicked out the liberals. They said, we can't take this anymore. We need to be more conservative. Now, over the last week, the general tone on the market was sort of a, a low-volume garbage buyer market rally. Looking a little bit deeper, it's even more of a mess than it would appear. Top-performing asset is, is SLV, commodity, silver. It's up about 4%. The worst-performing asset is coal. Commodities down about 4%. Second best is a commodity-producing nation, Australia. They're up about 4%. Second worst is another commodity-producing nation, Brazil. So some commodities are going higher, some commodities are going lower. Some commodity countries are going higher, some commodity countries are going lower. We don't really have direction. Typically, if you were to say, oh, the economies are going to roar, all commodities would be going higher. Or I think we're going to go into a double-dip recession. All the economy, all the uh, commodities would come back down. So it was very, 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 very sloppy. Regional banks very weak as well. Um, insurers very strong. Now, in the world of financials, banks, brokers, and insurance companies are all lumped into financials. So again, sloppy, sloppy, sloppy trade. One goes up, one goes down. Now, what's striking me about this market, ultimately, and I scratch my head is its unwillingness of longs to book profits. We're seeing just a mild amount of stable, you know, just a mild amount of stability here at this point in time when the market hits highs. Pattern looks to me similar to what we saw in June, so we may be ready to see some profits come back out of the market. I would expect a more run-of-the-mill correction unless we see something major come to light in the fundamental front. It should be a normal, healthy correction unless... Unemployment spikes to 11%. That's where we're at. So in recap, China prefaced a fall on Wall Street today. Fannie Mae down 7%. Freddie Mac down 7%. AIG down 9%. Bank of America down 2%. 
So some of these, what I would refer to as garbage financials, and again, I'm not referring to Bank of America's garbage financial, but the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, AIG, Citigroup, they're, they're more on the garbage side. They've borrowed a lot of money from the government, and basically they were kept afloat. Citigroup's the best of that four. They're getting it hit hard today. E-Trade, a financial company doing okay. Basically, and this is one of the stories that I must wish I didn't get into with you, uh, a company called Citadel Investment Group, they've terminated a plan to sell 120 million shares of E-Trade. I don't know what that really means. I don't know if that means next week they're going to sell 120 million shares and they just didn't do it this week, but clearly they, they, they saved the company this week from a lot of selling. I can't read more into it for you. Bank of America is cutting analyst expectations today on Morgan Stanley. So you know the, the, the financials were a once-in-a-lifetime buying opportunity in March. They were so beaten down. Well, actually, it's not once-in-a-lifetime buying opportunity. We had the same exact scenario in 1991, 1992. So twice-in-a-lifetime opportunity came along to buy the financials. Now, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch Day is downgrading Morgan Stanley to neutral from buy. They've trimmed their price target on the company. The stock is no longer deeply undervalued. I think that is a very smart note coming out of Bank of America today on Morgan Stanley. They say the shares are up 84% this year. They don't expect it to go up 184%. I think that's rational. I, I like notes like that. So maybe that's the first sign that the easy money is out of the banks, if you're with me. Now, do you remember all of you who bitched and whined and moaned and groaned about the United States government shouldn't be bailing out banks? The United States government should be bailing out banks. Well, as it turns out, we should be. We should actually get in the business of bailing out banks. So far, the profits collected from eight of the biggest banks that have fully repaid their obligations come to about $4 billion. United States government made... $4 billion bailing out the big banks. Government take has taken profits of about $1.4 billion already on their investments in Goldman Sachs, $1.3 billion on Morgan Stanley, $414 million in profits on American Express, five other banks in this uh, that have repaid the United States government. Um, each have come in with about $100 to $300 million in profits from the United States government. We should get in the business of bailing out banks because we're actually good at it, it appears. Now, we also were in the business of we once bailed out Chrysler, and that was a profit for the United States. Now, the Fed, now the Federal Reserve, they're slightly different than the government, per se, in this, this conversation. But they've made $14 billion off crisis loans. So our government did do the right thing by, I guess you could say, bailing them out. Central Bank earned about $19 billion in income from charging interest and fees to financial institutions and investors that tapped in new facilities to obtain much-needed funds. Now, the interest the Fed would have earned by investing in the same money in a similar amount, i.e. Treasury bills, in a similar vehicle, it would have been about $5 billion. So that $14 billion gain is pretty impressive. So we did good. Now, that brings up a whole other argument. Should we bail out banks? Should we bail out financial institutions? Should we bail out automakers? I don't know. But at least we made money on the financials. And a lot of people moaned and groaned about that. Chicago PMI, that's the Purchasing Manufacturing Activity in Chicago, the Purchasing Managers Index PMI. It rose to 50% in August. Any number over 50% shows growth. Any number under 50% shows contraction. So three straight months where we've gotten signs that the recession is over out of Chicago. It's important to note. Um, retailers are all over the fence today, just sloppy. Um, Amber Crombie and Fitch down 2.7%. Office Depot, 3% down. Tiffany's down 2.7%. So I guess what I started with, I should fin- finish with. 
Investors are bracing for September correction. Month of August is coming to an end. Powerful, powerful rally in stocks from March lows. Investors are wondering if September is going to live up to the reputation of the worst month for the S&P 500. This is since basically since World War II. Now, we have reason to fear a setback in September, historical. But also we have reason to fear a setback in September on the markets because of recent performance. I don't know whether concerns over the upcoming third quarter earnings seasons will trigger the anticipated digestion and gains. I don't know if it's going to be nervousness emanating from the Chinese stock market over their prospects of slower than expected growth in the U.S. GDP. Um, but look for a little bit of profit taking in September. If it doesn't happen, we'll party like rock stars. If it does happen, we're kind of ready for it. So don't sell your whole portfolio. I'm not saying that. Just don't expect the market to go higher. Don't have bets that, that are based on that expectation. One tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny bit of news, and I'll come back and talk about this after the break, is Marvel Entertainment. The people that make comic books, Spider-Man, X-Men, 5,000-plus characters, they've sold themselves to Disney. You might remember a couple years ago, Disney bought Pixar. Um, Disney really, they kind of lost their movie-making mojo. So what they've done is they've bought studios that have better movie-making mojo. So we'll talk about that during the show for sure. Don't forget, second hour, I'm going to talk technology. Brian Cooley from CNET, probably the best guest ever, is going to be stepping in for what could have been one of the worst guests ever who stepped out. He was nervous that I was going to make fun of him. Actually, I liked him, but the fact that he's a coward, sad, 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 and pathetic. Um, <laughs> what can I say other than that? Bad bad guest booking. My fault. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. Talk 910 KNEW. Talk 910 KNEW. This is Rob Black. Black Show, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's Rob Black Show, Talk 910 KNEW. Outland Festivals this weekend, Pearl Jam played. That's all I got on that. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Zippy phone calls, so pick up the phone. You'll be put straight to the front of the line. Let's take a look at some of the big stories that are out there. Let's see. Disney acquired Marvel for about $4 billion. They're going to gain Spider-Man and the Spider-Man and the X-Men series. It'll be interesting to see if the Spider-Man franchise goes on. So there's talks about a fourth movie. There's talks about maybe, maybe not. Now, Disney has reached a deal to acquire the comic book Titan. Who would have thought that comic books would be worth $4 billion freaking dollars? 
Disney chief executive Bob Iger. He said he's adding Marvel to Disney's unique portfolio of brands, and that provides significant opportunities for long-term growth and value creation. Hmm. Now, the amount of cash and stock, it's going to be adjusted if necessary, so that the total value of the Disney stock issued as merger consideration based on trading value is not less than 40% of the total merger consideration. So this is a tough deal to analyze. Disney's going to get Marvel, including 5,000 characters. They're going to get the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man. I guess one thing that you instantly think of is Disneyland and Disney World. Will they be tainted, or will they be tainted by superheroes? Or will will Disney come up with a new theme park? Or will they just use them in basically the movies? Disney's expecting the $4 billion acquisition of Marvel Entertainment to be dilutive to its earnings by mid-single digits in 2010. Um, Some of the existing deals are going to stay in place. For instance, Marvel's current third-party licensing deals with studios like Sony and Fox are going to remain in place under the terms of the deal and the transaction. Disney's going to consider bringing those deals in-house at some point in time. They're going to pursue a third-party deal. Okay, so this is a brutal story to try to analyze. There's not a lot there um, as far as what it's going to mean to you and me. Um, Clearly, it's all about brand. And it's a reliable brand, and it's a reliable franchise of characters that should go well in the parks, and it should bolster their live action film pipeline, improve their standing with boys, so to speak. Um, I don't know if Disney's considered a, a girls kind of company and or not, but clearly marketing is all about reaching out to boys and girls. Iron Man, released in 2008, it generated, the movie Iron Man, $585 million. It was the second biggest release of 2008. So a sequel scheduled for 2010. And uh, it's a pretty big media uh, deal. So the 1995 takeover of Capital Cities ABC valued at $19.5 billion is Disney's largest acquisition, except for this one. So this is a pretty big one. So um, pretty good for, uh, again, it's all about brand. It's all about brand in this scenario. Taxpayers. Let's see. I already did that story. Okay. The Japan thing. Japanese people are feeling profound anger towards the current political scenario, uh, political environment. Uh, That was the quote that came out of the Financial Times this morning. And again, I like to read the Financial Times Uh, from the time I get up to the time I'm done preparing for the show. It takes about three and a half hours, so I can't make up stuff on the fly. One of the areas that I go to is the Financial Times. Japanese people are feeling profound found anger during the current uh, political situation. So um, why do I bring that up? Why do I bring that up? Japan's an important economy to watch. In large part, some people say we're the next Japan. Japan has an aging population. The aging population means that they don't have a lot of income that comes off that aging population. They've basically been set in a real estate market that's sideways to down for 19 straight years. A lot of people in California are like, woo, real estate, it's cheap now. It's going to go right back up. Well, look at a country that had crazy, booming, skyrocketing real estate. And, hey, if you want to say there's only so much land, well, there's even less of it in Japan. So you can't say that the land is always going to be a premium just because it's land. you got to have jobs that support wages that push up wage inflation, that push up values of homes as people compete for the, the best location, per se. So... I'm learning a little bit about Japan and, you know, second largest economy on a lot of scales. It once was super important as an exporter. Um, Clearly, they're not as important to me as is the European countries at this point in time. 
And since the Europeans got together, you know, Germany's maybe lost a little independent luster. But China's an up-and-coming, India's an up-and-coming, so Japan's losing a little bit of edge. And uh, the aging population is what we have to pay attention to there, because what do we have in the United States? We have the baby boomers, an aging population, the largest segment of our population aging. And as they age and as they hit retirement, we give them things. We give them health care. We give them social security. We actually give them money for being old. Now, again, you may think I'm kidding when I say I hate you know old people. I'm, I don't hate old people, but it creates problems in the economies. Now, India's GDP... Speaking, we started with Japan. I'm going international on you, so get your international flavors coffee ready. India's GDP, it's uh, hitting a pretty nice 6.1%. Now, listen to this story, though. Inside this story, India's economy picked up pace in the latest quarter. Government spending helped to overcome the worst of the global downturn, but drought threatens to stall the recovery. Are you kidding me? India's economy is all about drought? Uh, No rain can basically screw them up? If you go to Texas, holy mackerel, Texas is, you think California has drought right now? Texas is in massive drought, massive. They've got emergency conditions drought. They've got problems big in Texas. But, okay, I, I'm digressing. So growth in GDP in India accelerated 6.1% in, from April to June quarter. And that's according to their central statistical organization. Kind of funny that you have an organization called the Central Statistical Organization. The uptick signals that the worst effects of the global financial crisis may have passed for Asia's third largest economy. That's a good thing. Global financial crisis has passed. Good. Check mark. Check mark. Thank you, please. India's relatively low dependence on exports meant that it has weathered the global economic storm better than many of the countries. So they don't do they don't make a lot of TVs that they send out like Japan does. Japan needs the United States. China needs the United States. That Made in China label, critically important, but not so much to India. Now, economists and policymakers worry that the domestic engine of the economy is under threat from weak rains, which could dent the recovery and trigger food price inflation. So India is dealing with potential food price inflation. You have drought. People charge more for fresh food. The worst in terms of the external-led downturn is over. Okay. So that's our story out of India. We've got a little India story. we got a little Japanese story. Do I got anything else for you? Not exactly. I come back to the United States. We're talking exit strategies. Remember last week I told you that one of the Fed governors talked about at some point next year, we're going to start raising interest rates. At some point, we're going to stop um, you know, giving low-cost loans and, and buying mortgage-backed securities. Well, that balloon went out and instantly got shot down. So talk of an exit strategy is premature. New York Fed chief says it's too early to contemplate an end to the Federal Reserve's unconventional easing strategy. So says William Dudley, president of the New York Federal Reserve. He said, my quote, he said, quote, my own personal view is that I think it's a little premature to be so confident that you're going to put an end to all these things right now. He said that on a CNBC interview over the weekend. He um, appears to be trying to throw cold water on comments out of two other regional Fed presidents that said the central bank may now stop purchasing mortgage bonds. And again, at that point in time, when they stop doing that, interest rates on your mortgage will start to go up if you haven't locked in. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's about a freaking almost perfect time to A, refinance a mortgage, B, to get a 30-year mortgage. And if you're prepaying either of those, you're crazy because the cost of money is incredibly cheap due to what the Federal Reserve and the Treasury is doing for us. So Dudley 
William Dudley, Bill Dudley, said he's not worried about the Fed's monetary policy causing inflation at this point in time. So, again, what's happening is uh, they they send it out so that when it does happen, we're not shocked. We're not going, oh, my God, the Fed's going to raise rates. But then at the same time, they want to pull it back in and say, look, people who invest in mortgages, people invest in stocks, you can count on us for now to be consistent we're just telling you at some point in time we're going to do this. So, A, it, when it happens, you don't get scared, and B, you don't panic. That's what that's all, all about. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's the Rob Black Shoe. Next at 12 noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. Little MGMT to bring us out of the break. Makes me think of the word management. Makes me think of being fired. Makes me think of The Apprentice. Makes me think tomorrow we'll have Bill Rancic. He was one of the winners from The Apprentice on the air. And I had him on a guest, as a guest on my TV show five years ago. <laughs> Time does fly, eh? Um, I had him on a, as a guest right after he won. And he was lovely. He was compassionate. He was a sweet man. Um, I know that he's done some TV work for, I, I want to say, a woman's company on what i village um i don't know I'll, I'll talk to him all about his life after the apprentice we'll talk a little bit about the donald and again i'll ask him is that really donald's hair and he'll again tell me it really is and i'll say you're bsing there's no way that's really his hair and he'll say no it really is and uh i think he's one of those reality tv stars that just seems to be a nice guy He's generally a good, nice guy. So he'll be on tomorrow. In about 21 minutes, I'm going to kick off the technology show. And ultimately, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look a little bit at technology, look at some tech companies in the Bay Area. And then we're going to bring on Brian Cooley. It's going to be the Brian Cooley show because Brian Cooley is the king of CNET. He's actually the reason that I am living in the state of California. Uh, Many, many, many years ago, he said, what you do on technology stocks is fantastic. Come to California and I will pay you to talk technology stocks on the radio because I was doing a nationwide radio show. Um, he heard it, and he's the reason I, I live in the state of California. He, he got me from the East Coast, so to speak, and um, I owe him for that, to say the least. Anyway, uh, good guy, good interview. And if you Google Brian Cooley, you'll find that this guy has vast knowledge of the Bay Area as well as vast knowledge of technology. So not sure what we're going to talk about, but it's going to have something to do with technology or something to do with the Bay Area. 
Um, super nice guy. Let's talk about some other issues that are out there in the world of technology today that won't make it on the tech show, but we kind of said it'll be still techie-oriented. Um, Apple. And by the way, no phone calls. As listeners, you're lame. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Um, Apple's worldwide single-carrier exclusivity model for each nation. It's seen as fleeting. So this time next year, you may not have to use AT&T to have an iPhone. It's said that a new report is suggesting that iPhones can become available for carriers other than AT&T within a year. Now, there's a guy named Gene Munster. Now, I quote Gene Munster a lot, and the reason I do this is he writes the best research on Apple. He's fantastic, in my opinion. He wrote a piece recently called 14 Unanswered Questions Around Apple, and they address the company's financial guidance, the iPhone, iTunes, iPods, retail stores. Now, one prediction, according to Munster is that Apple would add new phone carriers in the United States with the debut of a new product in summer 2010. He says, for various reasons, the company moved from an exclusive relationship with French wireless carrier Orange to a multi-carrier model. Now, in France, the company now enjoys dramatically higher market share because of that than in countries with exclusive carrier agreements. In France, 40% of the Frenchies have iPhones versus about 15% in other countries that have exclusivity with one phone carrier. Now, when AT&T loses it, the iPhone market share will go up. Right now, we're at the mid-teens, they say. I think we can go up to 40% in the United States. I'd probably pick up an iPhone if I didn't have to use AT&T. I hate AT&T. Well, no, 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 no. I hate cell phones. I hate cell phones. The call quality, the call clarity, just not very good. They still drop. I can't have a phone call on my drive up and up and down 101 without going, what? Huh? What? So anyway, so Apple's going to spin off this time next year, it's expected, so they can grow market share. They have to. Why? Because you can now get a $99 iPhone, and it's a pretty damn good iPhone. So three years ago, $599. Now, $99. Now, the Piper Jaffer reports that the new iteration of the iPhone seems to have exceeded Apple's internal expectations. It's cheap now. So now they need to grow their, their pie versus their profitable small slice. They need to grow the pie bigger. That's worthy of note. Now, elsewhere in technology, Barron's did a report on video games this weekend. I read Barron's. I love Barron's. To me, Barron's is the newspaper for financial nerds. Activision Blizzard, they say, stands to benefit from the video game industry's move towards online subscription or pay-as-you-go format. Whoa. So we're going to stop buying a box, and instead we're going to buy a box and then pay every month to play a video game. Now, you know that people play Warcraft, right? If you don't know people who play Warcraft, you've got to go, uh, go to YouTube and Google Warcraft. You will pee your pants laughing at how lame of a game it is, but how much of a social internet networking phenomenon that it is. So the evolution now in video games is starting to accelerate a shift away from strict reliance on consoles and off-the-shelf package games. In the next five to ten years, video games will be less dependent on any one kind of device or single platform, and there'll be more opportunity for audiences to enjoy interactive entertainment across a range of devices. So says CEO of Activision, Bobby Kotick. Now, Activision has a global reach. They've got a strong foothold in Asia, particularly in the China market. Now, remember, China's got 
two and a half times as many people as we, we the United States, as far as, whoa, pretty big, right? So, um, as far as consumers go, I should say that. Now, at current levels, shares trade at a multiple of about 15 times 2010 numbers or 10 times EBITDA. What is EBITDA? EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Now, the only person who's going to get turned on by me saying that is a financial nerdette because there's nothing sexy talking about EBITDA. And again, it's earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. So basically, it's almost made-up earnings. If we don't have to pay tax and if we don't have to amortize, this is what we would have earned. So this could be a bargain compared to Electronic Arts and Take-Two, which traded much higher multiples. So Barron said, here's the online subscription model. Here's their way they're going. Here's a company with global reach. And on top of it, here's a company that's cheap compared to its two peers. And to add further color for you, flush it out a little bit, um, Activision has made games that are more appropriate for teens and 20-somethings. Electronic Arts has kind of stayed with their audience. Um Men, so or growing men. Now, Electronic Arts also makes some games for the younger generation as well, but uh, Activision more poised as far as more in the right place at the right time. So that's that. Let's go to a phone call. 800-345-5639. Let's go to Frank in San Francisco. Frank. Rob, I was interested uh, in hearing more about your comment you made, uh, I think it was last week, about Google... uh, uh, not holding a position in, like, the, the main uh, stream of things. And uh, I was wondering what you thought about uh, the people they have running Google versus uh, the people who that are running Microsoft as far as uh, business goes. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what how to address this because I'm not really sure what I said as far as them being in the mainstream. Um, and thanks for the call. What I can tell you is that Google needs to stay edgy. And they and Microsoft are going to have a great 10 years. We're going to enjoy watching the two companies. But a lot like Cisco and Alcatel-Lucent and Cisco and Nortel, Cisco came out the winner. Microsoft and Google. Google has to monetize YouTube. And I remember last week I talked about eBay buying Skype, which was a cool technology that a lot of people were using. And YouTube's a cool technology that a lot of people are using. And the problem is YouTube is owned by Google, and they're, just not, they're not monetizing it fast enough. When you spend a couple billion dollars buying a company, you better monetize it pretty darn fast. So I'm not quite sure. I could tell you that there's been a brain drain from Google. Obviously, Google was hot and sexy, and you could come work for stock options, and the stock options, you know, $75, cents $250, $200, $300, $400, $500, $650, $650. Google at $750. Everyone was making money. Now they're starting to, I guess you could say cut corners. Google um, offers a lot of great things, food. They're starting to cut back on the food. Free soda, they're starting to cut back on the free soda. Um, so maybe some of the perks are gone, but they have to monetize YouTube. Uh, in my opinion, I'm not sure if that addresses your mainstream issue that I said and or didn't say, but I don't remember everything I say on a day by day basis. I don't have old timers disease. I got mid age timers disease. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's head to break. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. Talk 910 KDW 800-345-5639. Club 
are here. This is Rob Black. Pretty rosy summer, wasn't it? Summer's almost over. Officially ends on Memorial Day. S&P 500 up 14% the summer. It's a pretty good summer. A lot of times you'll hear stupid people on Wall Street say stupid things, like sell in May and go away. Ugh, kills me. It, or the Santa Claus rally's coming up. You can never count on anything. You can look back at history and say, okay, maybe. I'll build this into my equations. But you can never count on anything. S&P 500 up 14% since Memorial Day. Up 52% since the March lows. Since 1950, September has been the worst month on record for the stock market with an average change of negative six-tenths of 1%. Historically, it's down less than 1% for the month. Six-tenths of 1%. So are we at a crossroads? I don't know. I can tell you, you know, monetary policy. What our government's doing, it's very bullish. They're pulling out all the stops to jumpstart the economy. Treasury Department, Federal Reserve. Fiscal policy? I'm very neutral on short-term yay, long-term pain. Our government's endorsing deficit spending in a major way. Near-term payoff is debatable. Long-term payoff looks onerous. Long-term payback, I should say. The economy is neutral. Recession trends are moderating. Demand and growth, it's not there yet. Earnings, neutral. Path of least resistance right now, no longer to the downside. Although I'm concerned the market's too far ahead of itself in discounting the pickup in earnings expectations. Inflation, very bullish. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was down 2.1% year over year. And inflation's expected to be subdued, which is okay. Inflation kills us. Because if inflation's at 4%, for you to feel comfortable, you need to earn 8%. But if inflation's at negative 2%, to feel you feel comfortable, you're like, I'll earn 4%. It's a little bit easier. Valuation, I'm very bullish on right now. The earnings yield on the S&P versus the 10-year Treasury, 6.4% earnings yield on the S&P versus 3.4% on the 10-year Treasury. Hey, anytime the Treasury, 10-year Treasury is under 4%, buy the snot out of stocks. Geopolitical, we got a global slowdown, and you basically, we're going to have to deal with that. We don't know all the ramifications of that global slowdown quite yet. The Chinese markets plummet today, and they carry the fellow foreign markets lower. Weakness leaks into the United States. Baker Hughes buying BJ Services and Disney acquiring Marvel. Those are the big stories out there today. I've hit some technology. I've hit some of the basics. Um, One area that I should hit, because I think this is actually a pretty neat concept. I guess it's not neat. Excuse me. Let me strike that and say we've hit peak demand for gasoline consumption in the United States for a long period of time. And that's going to pressure independent refiners that turn each barrel of crude into roughly half a barrel of gasoline. You don't want to own the refiners right now. Not because the refiners don't look attractive. It's because demand's not there. They don't care if gasoline's at 150 or barrel oil is at 150 or if it's at 75. They want us driving 
And right now you got weak demand and you got spare domestic capacity. We got too much capacity in the United States for now because we're not at peak demand. Refiners' fundamentals and margins are going to continue to remain challenged over the second half of the year and well into the next decade. Big integrated oil companies like ExxonMobil and Chevron, they should fare well because their diversified operations make them less dependent on any one market for demand of gasoline. Clearly, this is a boon for majors because ultimately consumption in less developed land should continue to rise. So with the big integrated oil companies like the China Petroleum and Chemical, SNP, that derive just 10% of their revenues from refining, I'd take a look at it. Petrobras, PBR, not a big refining company, more of an oil company. I'd take a look at it. But right now, the United States gasoline demand is just not there. We're well off peak. And that's going to hurt because we got too much capacity. So do not own, at this point in time, the companies that refine oil into gasoline. I just don't like it, in my personal opinion. Now, there was an article in the, the journal this morning. I don't know if I have the greatest job on the planet or the second greatest job on the planet. But it's good. And this morning I was reading about commercial real estate. Federal Reserve and Treasury officials, they're scrambling to prevent the commercial real estate sector from hurting the U.S. economy. Just as the U.S. economy is trying to recover, we keep hearing about commercial real estate problems. Hundreds of stores in the United States are going to go down because of this recession. As hundreds of stores go down, the people who own the property, they're going to get hurt. Now, the REITs have already priced in the, a nuclear war. So the REITs are saying, we know, we know, if you take a look at their stocks, but the people on the street, they're not saying we know, we know. Efforts could be undermined for a recovery by a surge in foreclosures of commercial property carrying mortgages that were packaged and sold by Wall Street as bonds. Now, similar mortgage-backed securities created out of home loans played a big role in undoing that sector. We're getting a feeling that some of these collateralized debts and these structured investment vehicles in commercial real estate is going to start getting you know, tested for the first time in a massive downturn. Now, the CMBS sector, commercial uh, buildings, it's suffering two kinds of pain. Delinquency rates are set right now at about 3.14% for the month of July. That's six times the level of a year ago. So in one short year, in the month ending July, six times as much vacancies. Now, simple result, bad underwriting, of course, but rents are off at, you know, office properties, Rents are off at hotels. Rents are off at other commercial properties. And the result is a growing number of properties that aren't generating enough cash to make the principal interest payments. So will these commercial mortgages turn into a time bomb that sends our economy down one more time? Coming up next hour, I'm going to be talking technology. Brian Cooley will dial in. I'll dial in. Cooley will dial in. We'll do a show from a remote part of the world talking to you in the Bay Area about technology. We'll see what I can pull out of my hat and make this entertaining. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.